Hello, everybody, and welcome to Achievement Hunting 101. We are the podcast that doesn't talk about Bruno. Doesn't no, talk no, about no. Bruno. But we do talk about games and achievements. So if you found your way here, we appreciate you listening. Today's podcast hosts include myself. You can call me Rocker Dude. And the pessimist and the optimist. Which one is which? The first one I'll introduce is Big L. Hello, Big L. I am known professionally as Pessimist Prime. All right. And none other than Koosh Moose is on his right. Yes, I'm known as Optimegatron. <laughs> well, that's how we do it here. Not sure how that works. This is level 185. That's right, 185 Whoa. almost straight weeks that we've been doing this show. How you guys doing? Why are you looking at me when you said almost straight? That was weird. You know, uh, yeah. Anyways, how are you doing? <laughs> it's been a week. Come on, guys. Live a little. It has been a week. There haven't been any major acquisitions. I just, I'm going through withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> nobody's buying nobody. I acquired Taco Bell the other day. You Does acquired some Taco Bell? I would yes, love to acquire some Taco Bell. He, he acquired them and already liquidated them. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. It's about 10 minute difference. A <laughs> uh, short term investment. Thanks, Fire Sauce. <laughs> Well, not only do we talk about games and achievements, we also talk about topics of discussion where this week we're coming up with stories about our gamer tags, as well as stories that you have given us. And we may have bended the words here and there uh, about your gamer tags. So with that, I'm going to pass it on over to Koosh Moose. What do you got for us this week, Koosh? What? Where did you come up with your gamer tag? Any funny stories, or would you ever change it? Anything of the like? Would I ever change my gamer tag? Um, at this point, I see no reason to. It's been I've had this gamer tag for a long time. I've had this handle for a long time. Um, I'm pretty sure I've told the story once or twice before. But long story short, a coworker made a joke about a kushball tchotchke that I had on my desk back in the day internet bubble it was popular to have tchotchkes so you'd have like uh something cool whatever that you liked on your desk and i didn't really have anything handy so i brought in a kushball tchotchke uh and uh, a co-worker brand new uh, i was brand new and he saw it and and called it the kush moose it's like what is this kush moose so i basically just stuck with it there at that company and that was back in like 2000 so i've had that nickname since then uh and funny story uh the kush moose was actually a kush reindeer <laughs> wow so, you've been living a lie yeah i've been living a lie. there it is i still have wow. it on camera i'm showing you guys that's clearly a reindeer and not a moose but uh, that's that's the origin comes from this little guy right here did you ever correct your your co-worker uh no i was he was my boss so uh <laughs> oh okay. you can't you can't correct him no, i gotcha. just met him so i was gonna go about correcting him <laughs> uh but uh you know he also just thought it was funny so uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, let's talk about patron Lego head. He says, not funny. My hair just looks like that of a Lego character. So, wow, I can I can just picture. That I think that. that's funny. Yeah. I mean, is it plastic? It sounds like a music video. Like they just have Maybe like it's blonde. Plastic I, thought, hairdos. I thought Lego characters don't have hair. They just have the little dots sticking up on the they head. They just have wigs. They just have wigs. They just slap on. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, we'll have to ask Chewie. I think they're buddies. Ahizo. Ahizo's gamertag is named after his first ever D&D character. The name is made on the spot based on the style of suggested tiefling names. Uh, now, the reason that's in third person is because I translated his book of an answer uh, into a paraphrase. What the hell is D&D? Dungeons D &D and Daddies. Ah. Dinos and didgeridoos. Uh, and Jay Black, friend of the show, Jay Black. He says, my gamertag is a mashup of my first and last name. I tried creating other tags before this one, and they were all taken. Since I've gotten an uncommon last name, it's unlikely that it's taken elsewhere. Uh, is his last name uh, Blackerish? <laughs> black licorice. It looks like black licorice. Yeah. yeah. Close enough. Okay. I know his last name. It's like the Canadian. It's licorice. Oh, that's gross. It's like salted. A little bit of syrup. Yeah. Salted. <laughs> it is amazing in, in these days of identity theft and whatever else, how many people have their last name as in their gamer tag. Like, I don't understand it. There like, are quite a few. Yeah. That uh, like to put their names, in, not even just their last name, maybe even their both. first name, their last name, their initials. Mm -hmm. Maybe even first part do of both, that. backwards and forwards. Mother's maiden name. <laughs> I can't tell you the times I've told people to call me by my mother's maiden name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have a, a cool story. And uh, I can tell you that I, I have changed it in re recently, actually. I don't recommend it. It's a, kind of a terrible experience. And I think that was just me. I don't know how it ended up that way, but uh, Gamertag has been forever Rocker Dude, spelled with that R-A-W-K, uh, 5012. And it kind of initiated when, I think it was AOL Instant Messenger was around, and it was giving me like a generated name. And it did not give me Rocker Dude, but it gave me, it was like type things that, you know, or like about you. And at that time, I did not like rap music. So I said, hate rap. And uh, it came out with the nickname Hat Rap. <laughs> and that was not gonna, gonna work. So uh, it kind of worked into like what I did like, which was rock music at the time. And uh, rocker dude, but spelled a little differently, kind of stuck. And for some reason, I thought it was cool to match my friend's gamertag. My buddy's gamertag ended in 5012. He had it for a long time. Thought he would have it, you know, forever. And uh, yeah, I don't really game with him anymore. He doesn't have 5012 in his name for sure. And I kind of got stuck with it. And for the longest time, I kept it. Like I said, up until recently. And you can now pretty much change your gamertag to be whatever you want. Because Microsoft does all this funky stuff in the back end where... It adds these numbers, kind of like Discord, if you've ever like looked into your Discord profile. So I've, I looked, and I said, oh, Rocker Dude, exactly how I spelled it, without the numbers, is available. And I got peer pressured into clicking the button to change it. And when I did, it gave me Rocker Dude, as I expected, but then it gave me pound 5012, the same numbers. <laughs> and I see that everywhere now. Even, even like on my TA URL, it I messed up all my bookmarks for one thing, because uh, it went from like trueachievements.com slash rockerdude five zero one two to now trueachievements.com slash rockerdude dash five zero one two. So it's like I can't escape it. It's it's now made my life even more of a pain because I have to make sure it's the right 
things to to get to where I need to go. So I've had a bad experience, but I don't I don't think that's everybody. Uh, but anyways, that that's my story. I don't think it's very cool or anything like that. Definitely not as cool as uh, these next two guys that I kind of like their stories. The first one is Umple Beast. We've been saying his name quite a bit lately on uh, Brad Camp, and this is a play on his last name, which is Umple B. And uh, he said he played football and he hit somebody pretty hard. And uh, I guess the nickname they gave him is Umple Beast. And I just think that, that is uh, pretty cool. Uh, it part of your last name so it's you know personal in that aspect and then you did something pretty sweet like beating up a dude yeah uh, in a legally matter football way and you're a beast at it yeah i, I actually like that tag <laughs> exactly you, you can hit him and not say sorry uh which i guess if you hit somebody you mostly uh, most of the time don't say sorry no matter the situation now that i think about it uh the other one i thought was pretty cool was kt echo so uh, again another name that uh, has been popping up lately. We in the Discord all the time. Love seeing him. And uh, he says that he grew up in Pittsburgh and he he used to try to beatbox. You know, I tried to beatbox. You know, and I, I'm a, just a Tennessee boy, but that's just making random noises out of my mouth. So I'm sure he was doing it better than me. Uh, but anyways, I thought this was a cool insight into it. He said he would go to practice under under the bridge because of it made echo effects. Never thought. Uh, that to occur to me, but uh, so that's pretty cool. So he went with Echo, like any kind of variation of Echo uh, was his tag, and so I assume that goes for any kind of handles around that time. Uh, one of the variations was Silent Echo, which is apparently a programming joke. I googled it. I do not get the joke. Okay, okay, let me explain. Oh this boy, e- Echo is I, a I, command. I to... Okay, <laughs> Echo is a common command to repeat. Or to display a string of characters. Yeah, so, I've used so, that before. So silent echo means like don't do that. <laughs> so don't display the string of characters would be. Not a lot. Okay, you know what? Educational portion of the show. I had the there cricket sound effect lined up and everything for when you guys didn't say anything, but I didn't have to do that. So good, uh, good on you, Kush. So that that there you go. There, there's the dumb programming joke. And uh, anyways, now he is known as KT Echo for various reasons, but one of them being that KT stands for Carrot, so call him Carrot Echo next time you see him. What? I'm kidding. It stands for the, it's the scientific formula for energy. So I guess don't call him Carrot. He's not a jewelry fan that I know of. Corey, was your, was your beatboxing name uh, DJ Krispy Kreme? Oh, how I wish. <laughs> I love how your camera zoomed in there. <laughs> <laughs> I have listened to uh Mini a Cream. Whoa, wait. Moving on, L. Let's let's hear about you or somebody else's tag. Tell me some history. All right. Uh well the short answer is that I'm big and my name is L, but that's not very exciting. So this actually goes back to when I was 13 years old and similar to many stories, uh, we needed uh, an AOL name or an AIM name. So actually there was uh, the neighborhood kids called me Big L, but one of them used to call me Big L from Queens and Big L, the letter L, is a uh, rapper from New York. So, I don't know how this happened, but I just started 
being called Big L all the time. It was definitely because I was tall and no other reason. Of course, uh, everyone who knows, my 13-year-old immature self added a 69 to that for AOL purposes. I'm definitely way more mature now. I would never stoop to such things. Um, so, yeah. And I wound up, I've told a story about getting uh, on Xbox Live pretty pretty quickly, so I didn't have to put a number or an XX or whatever. So I wound up with Big Al. I want to say pretty recently you you tagged me and you found a video of someone else called Big Al. I guess I'm not the only one. They were talking about some rapper. I don't know if he was from Queens, but they they were hyping up Big L. Oh, they were talking about the rapper? Okay. Maybe. Because when you do the Google search for the ELL, uh, there's others, other imposters, I got to say. But I was the original, of course. Well, you are the first hit on my Google search. No, I'm sorry. That's a Bing search. Yeah, you're Bing. <laughs> that's America's what Most Wanted. What are you wanted. doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was a, here's your TA profile. Yeah, all right. It's, on Google, it's, your, it's SoundCloud. You have a secret music career? What? <laughs> yeah, it's not, <laughs> now it's not a secret. Sorry. No, you're going to have to play some of that for me after the show. Well, vulgar Latin was a term on his college worksheet his freshman year. He thought it sounded better than his other tag, Springy666. Um, yeah. Very immature, Vulgar. That tag came from a high school nickname because he walked kind of bouncy. He'd change it, if he could, to just Vulgar. <laughs> well, those who hang out with him pretty much differentiate between Vulgar and Devin. Nice two-syllable names. Nice and easy. Unlike this next two-syllable name, which is not nice and easy, which, of course, is my main buddy, Michelle, who, of course, is known as Matriarch. And her gamer tag came from high school. And I guess she needed a name. So she called herself uh, after a woman named Eve Matriarch. And she needed an AIM name, so her buddies suggested that, Matrark, as her name. But she pronounced it Matrark. But of course, since it's so similar to Matriarch, most people say Matrark, which is not surprising. Uh, so now Fufu's probably going to call this, mess it up even worse now. Who knows? But yeah, she is actually Matrark. But she's heard matriarch or matriarch so much that she doesn't care right yes she's basically that, she said yeah that's it she yeah, more of a pain she, she doesn't correct. Cor yes exactly. exactly that is correct yes that is an important footnote all right who do we got here going back to the last names hatton <laughs> who uses his last name and says his wife even calls him the hatton <laughs> wouldn't that be her name too now <laughs> who knows he was born in 1990 Oh. So that's where the 90 comes from. If you could change it to just Hatton, you would. <laughs> See, I like the short and sweet stories. Noth, we don't care. Carpe Adam. I was trying to find something witty when I first got my Xbox One, and everything I tried was taken. I started thinking of puns using my name and finally got tired of searching and just said it as Carpe Adam 79 since Carpe Adam was already taken. I guess the pun being that it sounded like Carpe Diem, Carpe Adam. Okay, I, I can see it. I can come up with something cool with no numbers, I change it in a heartbeat. I'm sure you could find something. 
Carpe Adam. I don't like when people change their names because then you got to figure out who they are. I've definitely scroll through my 360 friends list and see names I don't recognize, and I'm pretty sure it's because people just changed their screen name willy Ella Follette grew up in a fairly religious family and pulled a random name from the Bible. Wow. When looking for a name for his knight, elf, druid, and World of Warcraft. When setting up his gamer tag, he carried it over. So Elephalette is from the Bible. 77 is his social security number. I don't know if that's a joke or not. I'm assuming it's not. That's a great story. <laughs> Kush, do you want to hang, uh, handle the other two old people? Sure, sure. Retro Chief. Uh, imagine that. Uh, he collected <laughs> retro games. Uh, and he used to be a chief in the Navy. Uh, so it's a very literal name. 1969, since apparently I'm not the only one... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not the only guy thinking of that tag. And just adding 69 for my birth year sounded pretty cringy. Who would do that? <clears throat> and finally, Fug. Fug was old and late to the Xbox. He didn't want a name with numbers or special characters, so he took a favorite phrase and dropped the vowels in an attempt to not be banned from Xbox. Uh, what phrase? Um, WTF, mate. What the... <laughs> do you remember that uh, old uh, gamer pick he used to have I think that was yes. part of it right was it a Blink-182 video I want to say it was a Blink-182 video okay. yes. correct so that was part of it too I always think it's Joe Dirt when I look at it going back to you talking about people changing their gamer tags I've only known that I can recall two people that changed their gamer tags one changes it like every week like it was a hat Noth. And the other person <laughs> is Corey, which is funny because you shortened your gamer tag by making it longer. Um, <laughs> you are correct. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And and Noth is one of the key factors who uh, got me to do it. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Think of who your friends are, people. Think of who your friends are. Anyways, thanks to everybody who submitted uh, their gamer tag stories. Um, if you want to share yours with us, uh, feel free to drop it in Discord. We would love to uh, chat about it and read what your gamertag history is. But with that, let's move on to the game showcase. We have some some new stuff this week uh, from the looks of it and some old stuff. I wonder who's going to talk about what. Mm. Uh, let's start with Koosh. And uh, I'm interested in your your first game here, bud. What is it? Sure. Uh, I'm going to talk about new stuff because I like trying things on Game Pass. Uh, I tried a game called Dreamscaper. This is brand new uh, to Game Pass, and I think maybe it's a new game. Certainly to Xbox, it's a new game. Um, tried it out this past week. Dreamscaper is a very attractive, uh, very good-looking roguelite. So this being the year of the roguelite, you might be checking this out later. Uh, you play as a girl in a new town, I think, uh, and you're going around meeting people. You're just kind of, you know, settling in and you're just getting to know the town. So part of what you do is you go to different areas in the town, you, you meet people, you talk to them, you kind of create uh, relationships with them. Uh, as they're talking to you, you'll find out some interests about them. And in your travels, if you happen to create gifts that align with their interests, you uh, increase that relationship or you strengthen that relationship and by doing that, you're going to get yourself access to some uh, additional perks, or you're going to be able to increase things like your melee damage or your uh, ranged damage. So that's kind of like the backstory for what you're doing and kind of the overarching, you know, what's going on here. Uh, in the nitty gritty, 
uh, when you get down to it, once you uh, leave kind of that overworld area where you're able to craft and interact with people and, you know, kind of learn new recipes and things like that, um, you go down into uh, the dream world. So, you know, she lies down in her bed and she literally falls through the bed into this dreamland. Um, and that's where you're doing all your combat. The levels are laid out uh, in a grid system, so kind of like graph paper. You can kind of you can figure out where you are just by what square you're on. You can say, oh, I can leave to the right, the left, or the north, uh, but I don't know where they go. And so you have to progress through the level, and you get that little map that kind of shows you as you're going along. Uh, the, the map is actually nice because if you leave a collectible or something in that room, there will be an icon on that room, and it'll kind of like shift between things. So if you leave like a pickup, a health pickup, and there's some rocks or something you need to destroy, it'll like flash between like the health pickup and the rock. So you can tell, you know, if there's multiple things in that room, it's a re really smart way of letting you remember that you need to go back to stuff. And with a roguelite, um, as you're progressing through the levels, it's really nice um, to have a quick way back to that room. Normally you'd have to just traverse the whole thing and get back. This game actually has a quick travel. So any room you've previously visited, you can quick travel to which is really nice. So they've thought of a lot of things. Um, they've, they've lifted a lot of systems and they've thought about it and they've made this game like a really streamlined, really friendly roguelite. Um, the melee is basically has two attacks. So you can do like a, a weak attack, which is fast and a strong attack, uh, which is slow. Uh, you have a ranged attack as well. Uh, and you also have supers. So you can have a super assigned to each uh, shoulder bumper and you can swap all these things out as you find them in dungeons uh, and as you prefer just to use them. Um, you'll also occasionally run across uh, like a shadowy kind of memory. Some of those memories disappear when you get near them and that's kind of confusing and frustrating because you're like, oh, I'm getting a new collectible here. I'm going to learn a new thing. Uh, but then they go away. Some of them stay. And those ones you can uh, interact with uh, and they'll allow you to get um, some other perk or something. I haven't really figured it out. This game has a lot of different currencies, a lot of different resources that you use to buy new skills and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of hard to keep track of it all. I'd say there's like four or five different types, uh, which for me is just confusing. So uh, the nice thing about this is, you know, like they did in Hades, they kind of roll all these systems out as you're progressing. They don't overload you right away. Um, your first run, it's like, hey, learn this thing, learn this thing. Your second run, it's, hey, learn this thing, this thing. So they do a nice slow rollout of all the different systems. So I didn't feel like it was too much all at once. And probably by like the sixth run or so, I feel like I've got a good handle on, on what the game is. And I'm excited about it. I like this game. And I think it is a good uh, kind of, you know, jump back in, do a quick run. Um, you can also save at the end of a level. So once you kill a boss, you can save and return to that position later. Uh, that was similar to you know something that they had in Hades, which was nice because normally you're doing a run, you have to have enough time to do an entire run. This allows you to kind of take a break and come back to it. Uh, also like Hades, this has an accessibility mode. So if the game is too tough mm. for you or you just don't want to keep banging your head against it, you can turn on that accessibility mode. And every time you die, you get like another 2% or whatever added to your stuff. Uh, that kind of makes the game a little bit easier the more you're just getting uh, ruined. Um, there's also the ability to increase difficulty. So you can go into a, a level and say, you know what, I want the monsters to be tougher, or I want the boss to be tougher, or I want the level to be bigger. 
And just like in Hades, you can turn up the heat level. Uh, so this has a just a difficulty level. They don't really call it heat. Um, so, you know, they've, they've pulled from a whole bunch of uh, different games. They've kind of taken those ideas and put them into this. And I think it's a really slick, streamlined uh, roguelike. Um, the toughest achievement appears to be clearing the game 10 times. Also like Hades, there's an achievement for clearing it 10 times. So I think they've taken a lot of inspiration from Hades. Um, it does appear like it's going to be a little bit of a grind. Uh, just, you're going to have to play this game a lot, but I don't think that's a real chore, at least yet. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty solid little roguelite. Like I said, it looks great. The combat is pretty good. Uh, you can, you know, it's got roll moves and stuff like that. Uh, deflecting projectiles. So it, it, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good combat system. So all in all, I think that Dreamscaper is a decent roguelite. It should be added to your list if you are participating in ro roguelite of the year. Sorry, year of the roguelite. <laughs> there might be an issue yeah, it, with that. Check the uh, genre. Well, it, it needs under, to be. It, it is under hack be, and slash. Yeah, it needs to be regenerate. It is clearly a roguelite, and I think that'll just come with time. Yeah, at this point, it's still been out for five days. They won't change that for the first two weeks. So I, I don't oh. think that's going to be a, a worry out there. Now, does that have to be a uh, something that people uh, argue on the multi-genre discussion or, or, or anything like that? So if you've never played a game uh, right when it comes out, play uh, within the first two weeks, as soon as it scans in on your tag, you'll get a DM. Um, I, you could probably turn those off, uh, but I, I get them for every new game uh that i play and really? basically they want you to vote on the uh the genres oh so you don't get and, that like i said that lasts for two weeks i guess i don't I think that's when games. it's locked in <laughs> anytime after that that's Try when that. you have to get into the forums and and fight it out and the convenient thing is that at least on ta you don't have to know what the difference between a roguelike and a roguelite are they only have True. roguelites so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've actually just submitted a vote for roguelite and hopefully we'll uh see that added at some point hopefully enough other people are also using that setting yeah i will definitely be playing this game i, I might even dive it uh just to get it on the tag and maybe even get a vote in um not that i think that's gonna have a trouble getting that uh genre tag but it it looks like a really good game uh it, it sounds like one though that uh like like many roguelites for me when i start it i i don't really need to put it down because i'll forget how to play it um there, there are several out there now that I, I'm going to have to like relearn when I when I go back to them eventually. Well, I don't um, think that the combat is is so like nuanced that you'd have to remember too much. I mean, it's basic. You, you have your melee, you have your range, yeah. you have your two shoulder buttons, and you have a dodge. Um, so it's it's pretty common. I mean, it's like Arkham. These are kind of like Arkham controls a little bit. Uh, okay. Um, Some of the so things yeah. I was I was looking at, um, I, I was seeing how you, you have to build relationships with people. Uh, how does that work? Is that like a quest based thing? No, it's all based on conversations. So you'll, you'll talk with people and you'll be able to talk with one or two people after every run. Uh, they don't okay. let you talk to everybody mm. and, and they don't, they don't <laughs> let you have conversations all the time. You talk to these people okay, after sounds... your, uh, excuse me, your time in the dungeon, uh, after your time in the dungeon and you come back, you can talk to one or two people and there, you might get a clue as to what they like. Um, there's one currency. I forget exactly which one it is. Like I said, there's so many currencies. 
that you get by, I'm not sure if it's defeating a boss or just, you just find it after a certain number of combats. Um, but it's a resource that adds up. And right now, uh, each one costs about 50 of that resource, which, which can be earned in, you know, like two runs or three runs. Um, that allows you to build a thing. For instance, one of the characters is a bartender. She really likes coasters. Okay. So I made her a customized coaster. I gave it to her and it leveled up our uh, friendship level, which then went from one to two, right? Maybe it went from zero to one, but I eventually got it up from one to two. And that allows my ranged attacks to do more damage. So that's something I forgot to mention. The nice thing about this is you can choose your entire loadout at the start of the run. So it's not completely randomized. Some of these roguelites, you'll just get random drops, you know, and you just have to keep picking them. This, you can pick your, your melee weapon, your ranged weapon, your shoulder buttons. You can pick your your main uh, inspiration. That'll be the, the people that you talk to in town that you make friendships with. You can pick one of those people to kind of be your, um, you know, your big perk boost for, for that run. Whether it's, you know, additional melee damage, additional range damage. Uh, and so on and so forth. I think there's like eight of those people. Um, but that, you that's pick, pretty nice. Yeah. Because you can focus on your play style and not have to worry about exactly. being too, too fluid with it. One of the other achievements is for getting, I think, 95 masteries. The more you use an item, there's like an experience bar that is tied to that item. So the more you use it, the more you fill up that experience bar. You have to do that for 95 items. So you have to completely fill it up. So it's really nice that you can choose those during your run and just say, you know what? I'm just maxing experience on all these stats. So you just go through to grind towards that. When you really want to progress through and make it farther through the dungeons and, you know, get your, your clears, you can use the stuff that you, you find works best for your playstyle. Yeah. Some of the, it, it has a lot of very positive reviews on steam. And some of the top things that I like in it is that it says it, this one person said it's a mix of dead cells, Hades bullets per minute and wizards of legend. And, you know, things like that. Uh, definitely easy to put a, you know, a couple dozen hours into. And it looks um, good. Yeah. And, and it looks good too. Uh, another one said, this is Hades, but for people who need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got like a, you know, that whole conversation bit. Uh, it doesn't quite feel like Hades. It feels more like an indie title. Um, and if, if you've played a lot of indie games, like Coffee Talk and such, that's kind of the vibe I was getting from those conversations. Thankfully, they're short, um, but that's that's kind of the, the level that they put over top of that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Dreamscaper. Check so it out. You, I think you recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Overall. It's worth so, putting down Hades to play. I don't know. That's the big issue for me right now. Well, no, I'd say stick with Hades. Hades is just yeah. so good. Um, if you're only going to play one, play Hades. But if you are going to be playing a lot of roguelites this year, um, this is definitely a good one. And you want to save this or, you know, if you're only going to play so many, you might want to check this out and make sure uh, that you've decided whether you want to play this one or not. Nice. Looks like it's also on uh, Windows. I didn't check that part out. Play I, anywhere, I, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've been playing on Xbox. I haven't tried to see how the you know the progress transfers. I'm sure it's sometimes fine. that sways me. I mean, it actually even says uh, you know X Cloud with touch controls. Uh, however, those are, but yeah, it looks like this one you can play anywhere okay. and everywhere. Now, I did pop on and, and play it through X Cloud. Uh, my mace, the most of my playtime has been on the Xbox through installed, but I also went and did a browser session um, for like half an hour, and it was it was fine. 
is is really performant. So, well, excellent. Uh, so I'm going to talk about my game now, and this is a game that I manifested into the world. Not really, because it was pretty clear <laughs> it was going to happen. But la- so between the last podcast uh, when we did it live, and now uh, a game got announced and is about to release. It, it will it will be out when you're hearing this. And that is Oddworld Stranger's Wrath HD. So uh, I mentioned last week in our collection question where I would want an Oddworld collection. And that was mostly sparked, uh, not from the fact that I do like the Oddworld games, but that from the tweet that was just came out that day. And uh, it was like, what game do you want to see on PS4 and Xbox? And it was a poll on Twitter. And it, every single answer was Stranger's Wrath HD. And so it was kind of like, oh, okay, that this is a good chance it might happen. We just don't win. Uh, well, since we recorded that in this one, it has been announced. It is coming out on February 9th and, uh, February 9th or February 10th, one of the two. And I, I already have a copy and, uh, I'm, I'm reviewing it and I am playing through it. I'm almost done with it. I'm in the, the home stretch, uh, of the game. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. I've had 14 hours into it. According to TA, probably fairly accurate, but, if you never played the Oddworld games, this one is one of two that is in the 3D style. Uh, they started out doing the 2D stuff. So if you ever played Abe's uh, Abe's Exodus uh, or the the newer stuff where they redid it into uh, New and Tasty on the Xbox and uh, Soulstorm, which is a newer one, uh, which is kind of the the next iteration of that. Uh, this one is not like that. After those games, we got to the Xbox generation, uh, the original games that is. Uh, we got to the Xbox generation, and then Munch's Odyssey came out, uh, and then shortly after, Stranger's Wrath, both in a 3D sense. But Stranger's Wrath uh, is a not only a first person, but a third person as well. So you can actually switch between uh, the two, and you actually have to, um, because anytime you're fighting somebody, you, you have to shoot them. There's uh, very little in terms of what your melee combat does. You kind of spin around or like headbutt, uh, they don't really do much. So you're going to be bouncing between the two because it's easier to get around in third person, but uh, you do all your combat in first person. So it's the click of the right sw- uh, stick to get to that and from that. Um, so you're going to be doing that a lot. But the main gist of the game is you are this bounty hunter. Uh, you're trying to get uh, money for a specific uh, thing, which I won't spoil because I actually think that the stories are really good in the odd world games. And that's, that's part of it is, is experiencing that story. And you're going from town to town and in those towns, you're collecting the bounties. So, uh, essentially I think a town has maybe four bounties, uh, each one, I think there's 12 in total. And what you're trying to do is you're going out and capturing these guys, uh, dead or alive. You get more money alive though. Uh, and that counts for any any of the, the enemies. So uh, obviously you get more for uh, the bosses in each of those areas, the big bounties. And then they have all their little uh, minions that you can capture as well. And uh, yeah, you're kind of just doing that following the story. It's very linear. You can pick uh, when you're in the towns and you have multiple bounties accessible, you can pick which one you want to do. Uh, I don't think order really matters. Uh, I haven't had anything where it's forced me to do, you know, anything. I just kind of go from the top, though. And, uh, and yeah, you're going through and collecting them. And uh, the achievement list is kind of perfect for this game. 
there's an achievement for each bounty. And then uh, as, you, as now as I'm getting to the home stretch, uh, now that I'm done with the bounties part of the game, uh, I'm trying to get to the ultimate boss. And there's little story achievements along the way. Uh, there's also achievements for completing the game on easy, normal, and hard difficulty. I am playing on hard, so uh, I'm hoping that all of those stack. And then there's uh, a, just a handful of miscellaneous achievements. So, uh, they're missable, so they, that is a strike against them. But uh, I, I do think that they offer you know, just a little exploration uh, and paying attention to the game. Now, this has existed in the world, this HD version, since the PS3. Like they got it, they got trophies with it. So like there's like walkthroughs and guides out there for that stuff. Uh, the game looks a lot better than even those videos do. So they say that they, you know, they've upped it to 4K and 60 frames per second and all that. It still is not a remake. Uh, I don't even know if a remaster is the right word, but it does look better. It still looks like a game from, you know, the 2000s or whenever the Xbox was in town, but like they can just use all the assets they had at that time. I don't think they went in and, and did a whole lot of uh, makeup on it, uh, especially the cutscenes. They, they look a little blurry and uh, I kind of see this in, you know, these new ports of old games here and there. Um, they're definitely not redoing those, but they're still, you know, legible enough for the eyes to see uh, what's going on. And, and you can hear the things for Oddworld, it's still really good. The dialogue is amazing, and uh, the gameplay is is pretty good with this one. Um, my my biggest pet peeves with it uh, come with double jumping. It is a thing, but you have to time your secondary jump so quick after your first jump that it almost uh, it's almost useless in in a lot of cases when you're trying to you know reach somewhere that maybe you probably shouldn't go. But uh, a normal double jump would actually get you there. One of my favorite things that the Oddworld games do is the quick save. Now, you might be thinking, like, what's the big deal about it? Because you can save your game, you can quick save. Well, you have slots for each, and you can have as many saves as you want, uh, but one quick save and then an auto save every now and then, too. The quick save is just really quick to hit start, quick save, and go. And in this game, especially for me playing on hard, I'll go into an area and there's these enemies everywhere, and I don't know how it's going to go. I get really nervous with the boss battles here, uh, because if I didn't quick save, I would be taken back a, you know, a decent bit in some cases. Uh, sometimes it's an autosave, and it's fine, but I, I am abusing quick save so much where I will go in and kill an enemy, back out to a safe area, do my little heal, and then quick save again. And I, I bet I've sa quick saved in this game 200 times in my playthrough here. Um, I just did it on a boss today where basically he had kind of had three stages and I, I quick saved in between each one. I was not taking any chances. Um, and it still took me like 30 deaths or more to get past this boss, but I, I eventually got it. And without quick save, I don't think I could have done it because it, it is kind of hard for me. Um, so I actually really like that feature, but but yeah, I am really enjoying the game. Uh, I thought, I know I played part of it in its original form, but I definitely don't remember it. And as hard as it is being, um, I don't know if I ever beat it, to be honest. I don't recall the story. There was a big, there's a twist at some point, and I did not remember that. 
but that's also kind of the luxury of me. I forget every game I play, so uh, spoilers are not a, a big problem, and uh, I can play it again and you know and relive that. Uh, and also, achievements weren't around back then, so I probably didn't play on hard ever because I never had to. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, Odd World: Stranger's Wrath, and it's out now. As you're hearing this, I don't have a price on it. I think it's going to be twenty dollars or cheaper, and I think it's really good. So yeah. Either yeah, of you guys ever played Odd World: Stranger's Wrath? I definitely did. I think I said earlier incorrectly that I played it on the GameCube. I think I typed that in uh, Discord, and that's wrong. Uh, it was on the <laughs> it was on the original Xbox, but I guess I had them about the same time. Uh, an overlapping period of time, so I just yep. I, I just associate it with the uh, the GameCube. But yeah, I played it, and I do not remember beating it. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you on that. But I enjoyed it. Um, did it feel like a true Western? Because I can't really remember you know, too much about it. It kind of does, because the main character, he's, you know, I don't know what they call him. It's not like a, a tuning necessarily. <laughs> but he, I mean, he his name is Stranger. Yeah. Uh, but he talks with that very low westerny type thing. He's like, "I'm gonna get you, boy," and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, with Oddworld, it's it's even uh, oh man, the, the dialogue is so funny, and you could tell they did not redo this for 2021. I, I took a, a video, um, and they were talking about something in the dude's pants. He's like, "I'm gonna come and rip that out of you," or something like that. Made me laugh. I, I reloaded my save just so I could watch the cutscene and get a video of it um, for this review. But yeah, it's it's definitely has that Western vibe. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention is that makes this game unique is you have this crossbow and that's your your main weapon. And uh, all of your ammo is live ammunition. They're critters in the world. So uh, there's a spider. And when you shoot that, the enemy uh, gets wound up in a web. So you can go and capture him as a bounty alive a lot easier than, uh, you know, killing him, basically, which one takes longer and, and two gives you less money when you when you capture him because he's already dead. Uh, and that's if you can get to him quick enough. Eventually, they kind of rot away and you don't get anything. Uh, but you, all this ammo, you can buy it in a, a store, a general store, but you also find it in the wild. So you just you see them crawling from their nest, shoot them and you can pick up the ammo and uh, there's probably maybe seven different ammo types. And uh, throughout the game, they have upgrades that you can buy in the store for them. So they are doing a little bit better. You got stamina upgrades and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, all around, just like a really well done game, in my opinion. Yeah, I was actually very unaware of what this game was going to be. Since I like, had only played uh, the first one, Abe's Odyssey. I assumed that they were all the 2D <laughs> move that the guy that moved very slow type of game. Yeah. I yeah, have no idea. I think that when it comes to these games, uh, I think I'll, I don't, do you like that type of game? Yeah. See, to me, I, I actually don't like those games as much as this one. And then Munch's Odyssey, which has not been brought to Xbox. It has a, a steam version with achievements. I'm hoping that is like relatively soon. That's probably my favorite OG Xbox game. Um, but that was my first one. And so they're both 3D. Uh, so I think this is one of those cases where like your first entrance into that franchise is probably like something that you uh, identify with and like more. Um, 
but yeah, completely different game gameplay, everything from uh, that type of game. They the only thing that is there is the universe. It's all within the same universe, and they do uh, a pretty good job of uh, connecting those. There's there's little Easter eggs that relate back to uh, that stuff, and uh, it's it's really interesting to find. And they do a good job with their storytelling. I'd forgotten that Munches wasn't like a 2D. I thought it was just like a return to that, yeah, uh, that formula. So maybe I haven't played Munches Odyssey. So no, it's definitely 3D. Um, and, uh, and yeah, um, one of my favorites. They, they actually came out with. I, I did a little bit of research, although I've forgotten most of it. Uh, when Soulstorm came out, uh, they released uh, Abe's Odyssey. And then it was so popular, they, I think they did Abe's Exodus. I could be getting those two uh, mixed up. And it came out like relatively quickly because of how successful it was. And uh, then they came out, then they, they moved. And I think there was like versions of those like on the DS and stuff, but they were kind of like uh, the same game. Then they moved to the Xbox and they had Munch's Odyssey, so they moved to 3D. Then they moved to Stranger's Wrath, which was uh, 3D, but also first person, uh, which was new. And then since then, they have remade the Abe's Odyssey game uh, or Exodus. I, again, I don't remember which one into new and tasty, which we have that one. Uh, then they expanded that story, I believe. I don't think it's a remake of the other one into Soulstorm. And then now we have just a port basically of this HD remake they did. Uh, so I hope we get Munches soon. And then, then I hope we get something new in the, the series because at first, apparently, this was like a 10 game thing. Uh, and they've only made like four or five games and they've made each of them twice almost. So yeah, very strange as far as their history goes, but it's some of the best uh, stories and games in my opinion. So definitely pick that up if you uh, are nostalgic for it and cause you can finally get achievements for it. Did you say how much it's going to cost? Uh, I, I Do don't you know? have a price on it yet. The store I'm, doesn't have the, the page up. I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere that it's going to be $20. Did you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right now it just says not available. Um, what would Fufu I, ask I, you? <laughs> what would Fufu ask me? Fufu's question. He always it, asks his Game Pass question. If it was full price, oh, would, would you pay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I would on no, this one. Would. And yeah. that, that's mostly because of my nostalgia. I do think that $20 is a fine price for this game, um, especially because it's the first time you can get achievements on it. But I, I think it's well done enough uh, to be worth 20 uh, anything more, you know, I might hesitate on, but twenty is a, a a fair price for it. So that that's me and Oddworld Strangers Wrath HD. Uh, let's move on to UL. You have a smorgasbord of games here. Yes, I do, because um, you know, since Fufu Cuddly Poof is not here, and he usually is the one that plays many many games, I figured I'd take up the mantle this week. That seemed fair to you. You know what? I'm gonna call you Kenny, but go for it. Okay. Uh, the first thing I wanted to do is uh, talk about something that I did not talk about last week, which is, of course, my favorite contest, the random to-do list. Now, uh, real quick, it's basic, It's where you get a list of 25 achievements to go for, and they come in all different ratios, and there's a spreadsheet. And this has been going on for years now. So fairly recently, within the last year or two, they came up with the scavenger list, where you get just the games and you don't know what achievements you're going to go for. But 
uh, a spreadsheet was made for that also where half the fun is trying to figure out or narrow down which achievements you can possibly be going for. Uh, so the achievements will still be in the ratio order. So once you pop an achievement, you can say, oh, all right, this is a 1.8. So the one above it has to be this, this, or this, or the one below it has to be higher than a 1.8. Uh, so anyway, the good thing about the scavenger, uh, for example, last month I had Killer Instinct at the bottom of my list. And those were all high ratios. And I didn't know which one it was. So I wound up doing uh, the 150 challenges for two characters. I wound up doing 20 uh, ranked wins with a couple of characters. And I wound up doing the trials, the 100 trials, which uh, saw me get a bunch of other achievements of, for the DLC. Uh, so the good news is that I got a lot of achievements that I normally, that I wouldn't have gotten. And the bad news is I did not get the achievement I needed for scavenger. And if I had known which one I needed, I would have definitely gotten it, but I wouldn't have gotten all the other ones. So there's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Catch 22. Like there's the good and the bad of again, of doing the scavenger. Um, so for February, I was very excited for the list to come. And once again, I'm doing over 5,000 achievements on my list now. So who knows what I'm going to wind up with. So the first game I decided to play was a game called Snakey Bus, which I'm pretty sure Corey has played. Oh, yeah, I just looked it up. I got a top 10 finish on that one. You did? Number seven. Do, do you remember this game? <laughs> I do. I do. I actually like that game Yeah, for, so... for a while. Yes, so Sneaky Bus is a game where, very simple, you are a bus and you pick up passengers a la, I guess you can compare it to Crazy Taxi, something like that. And then you take them to the destination, and every time you take them to the destination, your bus grows. And eventually, your bus gets big to the point where it gets in your own way, a la Snake, hence Snakey Bus. Um, so... There's multiple levels, and there's different modes that you don't have to play. Uh, the achievement list is basically, if, if you just keep playing, you'll get most of the achievements. Naturally, you get points, and, every, and you back out to the main menu, and you just wind up getting achievements. Uh, the hardest achievements are getting 300 segments and 420 segments. Now, this is actually my favorite type of achievement which is one where it's not super simple, or at least it wasn't for me, but you find yourself getting better and better, and then when you finally get it, you're like, yeah, nailed it. So the hardest achievement is uh, a very fun achievement called Blaze It for getting 420 segments. Don't know how many drug reference achievements there are, but there's probably quite a few. Um, and this has a 1.46 ratio, so it looks like about half the people that start this game Around 2,200 people out of 4,600 people got this achievement. So it's not a gimme. So this game, I, I also thought was was fun. It was rage-inducing when you thought you were going to get it, and then you lose, and you have to start over, because that first few minutes is very easy, and then you're like, all right, I got to get back to, back to doing it. So I wound up using the museum level, 
basically you just uh, the drop off points in the middle. So you just keep going back and forth and going up and down and and you get a jump and you can jump over the bus. But if you get stuck for a few seconds, that's it. You're, you have game over. And that was from uh, Digerati. They always have a bunch of sneaky, good. Kush likes Digerati or he used to like Digerati back in the day. Still do. That's what D&D stands for, Digerati and Devolver. So, I get those two confused sometimes, to be honest. So very nice uh, with that top 10 uh, rucker dude. Thank you, thank you. I was trying to get, I, I remember this, and uh, that achievement you mentioned, the Blaze It, uh, may have been the one that caused me to like quit it for a day, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's still a fun game. I enjoyed it. I wanted to talk about two other games real quick. They are both in the same vein. They are both four-player party games that both showed up on my list. Uh, one of them has been talked about before. Uh, Waka did uh, uh, a bit on this game called Clumsy Rush, in which uh, we recommended it once. I think it was two forty-nine instead of five bucks, and and um, it is basically a game where you play as a bunch of different uh, hippos, and the main objective is to have the one get the crown and you need to get to the end with the crown. Uh, the, um, so I wound up playing clumsy rush four players with my wife and two kids and we didn't have a bad time with it, uh, for about, you know, it was maybe 20 or 30 minutes, not a long time. So every time you finish a stage, a new one opens up. So you might have an ice level where it's slippery. You might have a level where you bounce off the walls more often. So there's all different types of levels. Um, there's all there's 27 different costumes to choose from. So you can, uh, you know, back out after each game and change your costume. Now the other interesting thing with this game is there's two different control types. The default control type has you moving around with your left trigger and the right trigger. So it's left, right, left, right, left, right. Uh, kind of like. Freddy Spaghetti. I know there's been some other games like that. So the the game recommends you do that to be more fun. I don't think any of us found that fun. So we just turned that off and put on just normal analog. So, but that, I guess you could argue, made it too easy. You could just go right for the crown and you can bash into people. So there's a lot of uh, controversy about this last achievement, which is called, Are We Having Fun? Play Along With Your Friend. Now, there's a picture, the uh, uh, pic- the achievement, what do you call it, tile, tile picture, is the number 20. But the achievement description does not tell you what you need to do to get this achievement. Sure it does. It says, play along with your friend. <laughs> yeah. No one knows what that means. So everyone, a lot of people in the solution says, this is glitched. I had to delete my progress and start over. I think the reason for this is because they were boosting it with a second controller and they were just doing the quickest levels possible to unlock the other levels. Because the other running theory is that it's time related. You have to play in game for 20 minutes. So we were playing legit. So we were doing all the levels as they came up. So after I got all the other achievements, I wound up um, just taking two controllers and going through a few levels and I got it to pop without having to delete my data or anything like that. So I don't think it's glitched, but a lot of people think it is, including Waka. So I don't know. I think another achievement is glitched, because I have one achievement left in this game. Oh, the sheep play one? all 27 characters. Hmm. And for some reason, I could not get that to pop. Really? 
Yeah, I There's, think I was just so mad at the game. I counted to 27, <laughs> that one's probably easy. 26, and I got mad. Because each controller you put in counts as a character as well. So if you put in four uh, controllers, you could just have, uh, you only have to play seven times. Yeah, so you could do it that way. Because uh, the sheep achievement is, is uh, has the buggy flag on it for whatever reason. That popped for me right away as well. You just have to kick a sheep off the map. I didn't know you played this game, Chorus. It's very forgettable. Yeah, if you play by yourself, I could see why that would be forgettable, Hat Trap. So the other game I played with the family is called Save Your Nuts. You played that with the family? Yeah. It's just, yeah. Shear Your Nuts? It, <laughs> it, it is a game... Uh, it's another party game, and it involves squirrels. So you basically have to um, basically capture the flag with with nuts. That's the main game mode. There are a couple of other game modes, but that's the main one you, you do. There's a thieves variation where you can steal the nuts back once they are in your house. Uh, so apparently this game had a free trial or something. And it must have, because all the achievements, or most of them, are rare when you pop them. And they're not hard at all. But this game has 26 achievements, and it's got a 1-2 to two hour estimate on TA. So they're pretty much all self-explanatory. There's traps. You could find them. All the achievements are easily boostable with two, three, or four controllers. Um, there's the hardest ones quote-unquote, are winning a hard match alone against four bots. I don't know. I just realized now that they say alone because I had three teammates that I put computer teammates, and we won each time, and they popped. So if anyone struggled to do it alone, you don't have to do it alone. I used three bots that were on unfair difficulty as my teammates, and we won each time, and the achievements popped each time. Okay, they figured it out. So... Overall, I think, believe it or not, my family paid more attention to Clumsy Rush. So, yeah, make sure you save your nuts when you're in a rush. But, yeah, if you're chasing... On a snaky bus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, yeah, if you if you are looking for four-player party games, honestly, I can't really recommend either of these too much. At least Clumsy Rush for 250 wasn't so bad. You play Save Your Nuts. For 10 minutes. <laughs> Did you get the completion? <laughs> No, oh, I, no, I have two achievements. Oh. Uh, I, I, this was not like a very... I don't remember this being very fun, but uh, at the same time, I was playing against uh, my invisible friend, so... Yeah. When you're playing with the family, it's fun for a little while. It also has an achievement for playing a local match with more than four players. And I have the oh, controllers what? to do it, but man, I gotta... You gotta get up and you gotta oh. sink that many controllers. Sounds like a pain. Oh, uh, we didn't use more than four controllers. I think you could just put in bots and it, and it counts. I wouldn't worry. Oh about well, that. there you go. I'm I'm I, back on this game. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> it, yeah. It's even got the TA little uh, players required badge. Interesting. We did not use more than four controllers. I could promise you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have to check how my nuts are and see if I need to save them later. You just have to put on bots. It's a very completable game, and it's actually decent TA. It's got fourteen hundred TA. Interesting. I'll, I'll check it out. I, I'll I'll give it another ring. But that yeah. will do it for Make the, sure you save your the nuts. game 
showcase. <laughs> uh, let's move on to sales. It's a sale, Gway. And L, let's uh, let's kick it back to you since you're top of the list here. What do you what do you get? I what am do you top seeing? of the list. Um, I personally have no interest in this, but I saw a lot of people talking up Sniper Elite Four Deluxe Edition. I'm pretty sure this game was Games with Gold, but the DLC is very expensive, so people are just rebuying the Deluxe Edition for nine dollars, which is normally ninety dollars. So that seems like a steal. Uh, it's in Game Pass, not Games with okay. Gold, but close enough. Free right now, basically. Free. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So those people who want their DLC. It seems like the way to do it. Yeah, that kind of goes along with my pick. It's mine's not has never been free or anything like that, but there are a ton of bundles on sale. And uh this one has definitely been keeping my eye for a while. I believe this is the lowest price ever, but XCOM 2 collection is on sale at 85% off. So this is uh a, a game that is typically expensive and it doesn't go on sale for you know incredibly low amount. But it also always has DLC, and this collection has all the DLC that has achievements, and I think then some, and you can get it for $15, normally $100. Um, and it's just, you know, nothing but praise comes from XCOM 2. Uh, not that it's an easy game in any capacity, but uh, you, you always hear that it's a good game, so... Uh, be sure to look at that and all the other bundles as well. Because like I said, there's a ton of them and some of them have deep, deep discounts like the ones I'm sure Koosh will mention as well. Yeah. One of them. Uh, let's, we'll start off with that one. The dead rising triple bundle pack is $15 down from 60. Now these are the remastered Xbox one games. Uh, they are one, two and two off the record. Uh, I know that those were kind of difficult completions, I think. They, at least the first one was. You had to manage your time, and it's not a skill I possess. So uh, I don't know. Uh, if, if you like those games and you haven't bought yet the remasters, check it out. Uh, moving on from that, uh, Detective D, The Silk Rose Murders. I believe I talked about this on a Coming Real Soon segment. Maybe not. Maybe just in my brain I was talking. It's $3.89 down from 13 this is an adventure point and click. It's got that, uh, you know, pixel art style that I like. If that's uh, something you like, check it out. Uh, Machinarium, $3.74 down from 15 This is an adventure point and click. It's two to three hours. There's a walkthrough on TA. I played this on the PC back before there were achievements. Really like this game. Really um, like the art style. This developer has another game out called Creeks, which is not currently on sale this week, but I think I might have mentioned it before. Um, check it out. Uh, My Memory of Us. This is $5.74, down from $23. Uh, it's an adventure game. It's a Limbo-like, and I've talked about this one before on the podcast. Uh, it's narrated by Patrick Stewart, so maybe that will make you want to jump in. Uh, and finally, um, a game that I didn't think was terribly interesting to me, but enough people on the Discord said, hey, you're wrong. I like this game. It's Rain Swept. $3 down from 10 It's an adventure game. It's one to two hours. And even though it doesn't do anything for me, it doesn't jingle my jollies, uh, it does jingle some jollies on the Discord. So check it out. Is this the game that everybody said that they bought and then haven't played, including you? No, I have not bought this one. This is the one that every time a sale comes up, they fool me. I feel like, oh, Rain Swept. Let me check that out. And I go and I look right. at it. I'm like, darn it. I, I say no to this every time it comes up. But I still click on it because I'm like, what is that game? I just can't remember. 
But enough people said that they really liked it, and a bunch of people said they picked it up based on those recommendations. I thought it deserved a notice. Fair point, fair point. Uh, moving on to the Games with Gold, just a reminder that this is the last time that we can tell you about Hydrophobia uh, because you can't get it after February 15th, so be sure to redeem that. Nothing for Game Pass this week as we are playing our games leaving, so uh, hopefully we'll have some news on that next week. Coming real soon, uh, not a ton of games coming real soon that catch our eye, but a few. Uh, the first one is a game that I have always had in my peripheral vision what seems to be for you know a couple of years now and it's called away the survival series so unfortunately the game has been out for you know half a year or so on steam uh, on pc and it's got mixed reviews not a ton of reviews but the ones that are there the average is mixed feelings which is kind of unfortunate because it really appeals to me uh based off the way it looks you should just take a look at away the survival series. You uh, are basically playing a tiny sugar glider in this jungle, and uh, you're making your own nature uh, documentary, Uh, so much so that it says that as you play and do stuff, there is a narrator that describes your every move, and then that is enough to, to, like, reel me in. So we'll see how, if I can get, you know, my hands on this game. But, like, uh, I'm looking at uh, gifs of the sugar glider, and you're fighting a scorpion. I see a praying mantis. I see a a wildlife fire and a crocodile. It just looks really cool. And um, unfortunately, with the mixed reviews and the thirty dollars price tag I'm seeing on PC, uh, this probably is going to be one of those underplayed gems. But we'll have to wait for a sale, is my guess. So that comes out on Thursday, February seventeenth. Uh, on Friday, though, L has something to talk about, don't you, L? Oh, totally. Yes, I was chosen to pick a game called Choice of Life Middle Ages. Apparently, since I'm old. Um, <laughs> so last week, I talked about Aloris in a choose-your-own-adventure game. And Choice of Life Middle Ages looks very similar to Aloris. It's a card game in a medieval setting where you make decisions on which not only your life will depend, but also the future of the kingdom. (laughs) So I was hoping this game would be more like dark, but I don't think it is. You need a dark game where you just die a lot. Sounds like Ord. Oh, yeah, that's true. Ord. You die a lot. But uh, but this game has... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this one, it actually has a Windows and a PC stack. Uh, no idea if it's easy or not at this point, but uh, but yeah, I guess EOJ might be happy with it. Yeah, so. I'm going to have to tell him about this one. Yeah, yeah, have to do that. Moving on to contests, we have our weekly G-Task update. This week we lost It's Alive X in the individual competition along with Ragnarok. Big Ubisoft fan Ragnarok is gone from G-Task. On the team side, we finally got that, uh, what is it, Freaky and Delicious team out there, which is the team uh, with Freedom Girl 85 and Elroy OMJ of Achievement Hunting 101 fame. Uh, They are no longer in the competition. And I will say that I'm pretty sure I am one of the only teammates of Elroy to ever make it uh, as far as we did in G-Task. Just humble brag. 
What about the bonuses this week, L? Uh, you, you brayers always make it. In bonuses, the solo bonus is called We Love You Planting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, and having spelled the, the alphabet, all 26 letters, using the first character of newly unlocked achievements. Oh, that's easy, I guess, until X comes along. Team bonus, bigger is better, worth 1,500 TA, and the period with at least a 50% improvement over the following stats from the previous period. TAD and gamer score as a team. Welp. Getting down to the nitty-gritty in G-Task, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are separating the boys from the men at this point. So, as they say. good luck to those who are still in it. All right, let's wrap this baby up with Brag Camp, and I'll start us off with completions, as I always do. We have Bed Home completing 450 games, Eldritch SS 650, Mike Pitch 750, Kitty Skies 800, Toad Style Venom 1100, and Magic Monkey 1300 completed games. In ratio, Ross 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 has reached a milestone with a TA ratio of 1.6, Morbid 237 has a 1.7. Crackity has a TA ratio of 1.8, and Fista Roboto now has a TA ratio of 2.5. In streaks, Crazy Catman is currently on a 150-day streak. Survivalist with 200 days, as is XNeo21X. And Saucy Slingo has 2,850 days. In Gamerscore, Fushion Greed has passed 200,000 Gamerscore along with EA. XTAX, sorry, Legend Shots. Good job, guys. Logic Slayer passed 400,000 gamer score. Ella Fillette, 500,000. Whisperin, 500,000. Neon Prime, 600,000. Shadowless Edge, 700,000. RPG Davy, 900,000. And then we have our millionaires, Inigo Montoya 80 at 1.4 million. Sniped by a girl, 1.6 million. And Lucas, 1987, 2.3 million gamer score. All right. In leaderboards, Bastion Reader is now third in the USA TA Difference leaderboard for Xbox One Shoot'em-Ups. Fisto Roboto is now in the top 500 of the TA ratio leaderboard. Nightwolf is now in the top 200 of the games played leaderboard for Metroidvania. Raw Sauce Ross is now in the top 500 of the TA Difference leaderboard. Sir Polygon is in the top five of the completed games leaderboard for on rails and number one in the USA completed games leaderboard for on rails. That's pretty funny. A couple of episodes ago, the uh, genrely speaking was about on rails. I did enjoy Elroy complaining that train games were not <laughs> in the on rails category. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, in Bragg's. I'm uh, very disappointed in all of you today. Apparently, the best we can come up with is that uh, Mike Pitch played an easy game, uh, Dino Man uh, woke up early, and Vulgar shaved. Congratulations, you guys. You guys make me proud. Best of the bunch here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that will do it for Level 185. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to stick around for our other segments. You know, we always end with a wonderful Waka segment. Uh, so be sure to catch that. 
Uh, in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitch as we're live every month there, uh, along with gameplay here and there. Uh, and then Twitter, Discord, all that stuff. But basically, Discord, come to Discord if you're not there. Uh, we got new people coming in all the time and uh, very welcoming and glad when we see you guys pop in. So uh, with that, uh, you guys have any parting words? Hmm. But Great word. Bye. Sheer. Okay. Uh, salutations. See you guys. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Big Al from Queen says peace out. Crispy cream. Hello, AH101. This is Neo21. I'm bringing you your monthly Year of the Vayner update. So first off, if you haven't been keeping up to date in the Vayner channel, you may not have seen the announcement of February's Vayner of the Month, which is Forma 8, or Forma.8, not sure if you pronounce that dot or not. But anyways, that is the Vayner of the Month for February. So get that completed before the end of the month to earn yourself three entries into the raffle prize that will be drawn at the end of the year. And in regard to the raffle, um, I decided... Uh, about a week ago, I was going to make a couple of slight changes to the prizes. So I decided that I am going to offer up a $30 prize for the first uh, for the winner of Year of the Vayner, which is going to be based on most TA earned in the genre for the year. And the $20 prize that was offered up by Mental Knight, I'm going to make that the raffle prize. So... Um, I also had one other fun idea that was inspired by last year's Year of the Assassin. And just a, a little prize um, for a third raffle. Uh, I'm going to make it small, for like 10 bucks. So, um, And that is going to be for completing the entire genre. Well, last year in the Year of the Assassin, we had a pr raffle prize for completing every game in the franchise. Uh, so I said, hey, if we complete every game in the Metroidvania genre, we'll do a additional $10 um, raffle prize for that as well for everyone who participated. So, um, all right, there was some chatter in the Vayner channel uh, this week about the method of choosing the Vayner of the Month. And some people were saying, hey, you know, we don't care if you manually choose it rather than choose it completely by RNG. So I put out a little poll, and it was mostly positive in favor of saying, hey, we're okay with you choosing it manually. So uh, I think it was in favor like 10 to 3. So I'm not going to choose every month, but there will be some months where I manually choose rather than having it decided by complete chance and roll the dice. So I uh, just want to let you know that, and I'll, I'll let you know when those are. So as for a couple of other like uh, logistical questions I had uh, in regards to Vayner of the Month and completions, um, when the Vayner of the Month is chosen, if it is one that has a stack, it doesn't matter what stack it is. It's not like I want to pick uh, for Arkham Asylum, for example. I'm not going to say, oh, you need to complete the Japanese stack of Arkham Asylum. Any stack will count, so it's not like uh, you'll be stuck with one specific version of the stack. Uh, but that does bring up a couple logistical questions because there are some odd 
situations such as Indivisible. The Xbox version has DLC, which has uh, unobtainables, and the PC version does not. It just has the base 1000. So, uh, in that case, uh, and this counts for if anyone wants to play Indivisible, and it, even if it's not the banner of the month, uh, it, if you're playing on Xbox, you only got to complete the base game. You do not need to do the DLC uh, because the PC version doesn't have DLC. So, similarly, if you play a game that has one of my massive pet peeves as having a platinum achievement, since they are often glitched, if you complete it and that platinum achievement does not unlock, let me know. I'll still count that as a completion. I'm not going to be a stickler about things like that, unlike um, maybe in some other contests where they aren't so lenient so um but yeah if you do get everything i think alex you may have uh completed something but the platinum team didn't unlock uh, let me know what that was and then i will uh count that as a completion in your stats or, or whoever that was so on to stat updates for january the vayner of the month which was mystic bell uh, unsurprisingly had the most completions out of any game in the month with eight and given that that had, game has such a small player population, uh, those eight completions count for 7% of all completions of that game. <laughs> I think there's uh, 112 now, uh, and there's only like 350-something players, or maybe 600. Uh, I might be getting it mixed up with player count for Forma. Uh, but coming uh, let's let's work our way up. So coming in... Th- at third place for the month is Jay Huns with five, a uh, little over 5,000 TA with a 3,000 gamer score. Second place is EOJ with a little over 7,000 TA with only a little over 1,000 gamer score, thanks to his completion in Dandara, which has uh, nearly a 6.5 ratio. And first place with a huge lead is I Make Poop 24/7, also known as Hope is H-A-O-P in Discord, uh, with 19,000 TA, 7,000 gamer score, 248 achievements, 6 completions, which moved him up uh, from around the 70th place on the leaderboard up to 31st, so it moved up like 42 places on the leaderboard, coming out strong with a big lead, so he is got a uh, good lead on everyone, so try to make up some ground in the next month or months, and due to some changes in the genre that you may or may not be aware of, there were a couple games that lost the Vayner tag this month, those being World to the West and Aspire Ina's Tale, which not many of you had played, but there were two or three of you guys that had played that and even completed it, so if you go and check your stats on my spreadsheet, which is live and updated with all the January numbers, uh, you may see that you lost a gamer score as well as TA in the month. So you may need to play some more to make up for that. And one more stat that I forgot to mention is in total in our group, we had 30 completions for in the month of January. And eight, like I said, eight of those were in Mystic Bell. All right, that does it for the January stat roundup. You guys keep playing those Vayners this month, and I'll bring you the February roundup at the beginning of March. Talk to you then. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is a new segment uh, we're going to be doing called Cooperation Nation. 
I am Vulgar Latin. I'm here with Ahizo. How's it going? Uh, we're going to be talking about the different co-op games that we play, sort of an overview of them, and whether they were a good co-op experience, and the achievements and stories that got us to that point. And the first one we're going to be doing today is Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary, uh, which was released... Uh, in 2011, and we finally got to it, you know, Operation Quick Resolution, and finished it in November 2021. So 10 years later. It's the 10-year anniversary of the first Halo game. Halo is a kind of a niche series. I'd be surprised if anyone ever really heard about it. But uh, small indie yeah, devs. I guess we'll. Yeah, small team. Really, not much. Not very important. Had a few sequels. Moderately successful. Of course, that's a joke. Halo went on to spawn uh, a whole bunch of games and books and uh, Mega Blocks, not Legos, and uh, probably a Christmas album. I have never been so disappointed in a product partnership than Halo and Master Block or Mega Blocks. I would have bought every. Yeah, I, I would have bought every Halo Lego set that they made. They got a really cool Needler though. Saw that at the Target J. They do. You can buy your own Needler. Yeah, you'd be just as disappointed as you do when you pick up the the gun in the game. So yeah, let's uh, enough about about children's toys. Uh, Isa, what did you think of Halo CE? It was great for its time, and it's still enjoyable. I think the co-op helped with it dramatically. It's very clearly started to show its age. Like you said, you know, we played it ten years after the ten-year anniversary edition came out, and in similar fashion, much like we waited till 20 years after the game release. This was also, for some reason, the last Halo game that we played in the series that we were working on. Yes, it was. we've done five, four, some of MCC and Halo Wars, yeah. and then we just started it back at one, yep. Brian McKnight style. And end it where it began. No, it, uh, it, it, yep. it definitely was fun. Like I said, you know, it's, the co-op experience definitely helps because it, it is dated. The level design, the gameplay itself, it's very clearly from 20 years ago. So while I still don't think it's necessarily a bad game to play solo, I had no issues doing that in Master Chief Collection. It, it helps a lot having someone else there. Oh, yeah. Be, because it, <laughs> it, it is a bit much. It gets kind of repetitive with the level design. It, it, it was a little clunky. That's a very charitable uh, way of putting <laughs> it. The structure of Halo 1... Is, is such that you end up basically replaying most of the levels in Halo 1, which kind of got tiring after a while. The The main ones for me uh, were Assault on the Control Room and Twin Betrayals, which are amazingly huge levels for 2001 and obnoxious slogs in 2021. And they, yep, and to make things better, they're the same exact map. They're exactly the same. It's just in uh, reverse. You fight Flood. Yeah, you go through basically Halo is a is a there and back again journey because you end up back at the Pillar of Autumn where you started. Yep. And I think I think five I think what, probably four or six of those levels are just duplicates of other ones. Yeah, I don't think you go back through Halo, nah. uh, which is the second level of the game. So I would have loved that. You don't do the silent you don't do the silent cartographer again. I know you're disappointed in that. I love the silent cartographer. It's the best level in the game. It's where it really shined, and then the other ones are very slapdash. Yeah, that that first experience of Halo, of what Halo is, going through the beach, going through the structures, that, that's kind of where you really started to get 
the scale of what this game was going to be as opposed to the first couple levels where you're just you know you're on your you're on the pillar bottom and then you land and there's just some open grassy area with some weird towers and then you get to silent cartographer and you really start to explore and then there's also uh you don't redo 343 guilty spark thank god but i think we both collectively forgot about its existence multiple times yeah that that was a weird one because you know obviously that's where you're introduced to the flood and that was done very well and i that's that's part of the game that i think even in 2021 still holds up like if you haven't played combat evolved before that's going to be a great level and while i remember everything that happens in the level and i can even picture certain scenes in certain areas the level as a whole i just completely forgot about uh, I think it's I mentioned it while we were... labyrinth. <laughs> exactly. And I you know, I think I mentioned it while we were playing through this level, but you know, when I did it in Master Chief Collection, I got to the end of the game and found out I didn't get the achievement for beating Combat Evolved. So I went back and looked and apparently just skipped over three four three guilty spark for some reason. And I didn't even notice. I just continued yeah, playing the game and was like, I guess I'm fighting the flood now. I, I did I completely glossed over the fact that they skipped this entire level despite it having one of the greatest reveals in video games that I've played. Yeah, it's a very horror movie. That that cutscene is part of the coolest part of it. Uh, and then after the flood is revealed, the rest of that level is entirely forgettable. It's just escape a, a giant slog and, and get lost. <laughs> and have to have a guide as you try to speed run your way through it because that's part of the achievements. Yeah, that's... Oh, man. Those, those speed run achievements were not good ideas for combat evolved anniversary it wasn't designed to be speedrun. they're they're nicer than they could have been there's they're. one for doing everyone's favorite level the library on legendary in 30 minutes we did that one by accident yeah that could have been a lot worse than it was because i think it took us like an hour or well over an hour but it always went off of your last checkpoint and then restarted the time so if you died with 10 minutes on the clock it restarted us back at 10 minutes when we died. And we did, and we died a lot, and that level is terrible. <laughs> yeah, that that was, I think, that achievement's one saving grace that kept it from being just miserable is that it, it reset you to whatever the timer was at at your checkpoint. You could die all you wanted, and as long as you were getting from checkpoint to checkpoint in a reasonable time frame, then you were good to go. And that's pretty much what we did. I, I think we died at most checkpoints. Yeah, that level is... Uh... Another one where you don't repeat that level, but you basically repeat that level because it's just the copy and paste three rings over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, the, the level is a repeat of itself. Yeah, three times, and it never gets more fun. Yeah, and somehow it all worked because despite the fact that the entire level pretty much is just running through the same hallway over and over and over again with the same twists and turns over and over and over again, something about how the flood interact with you in that level something about that just made it a lot better i i know a lot of people didn't like the library on legendary it's certainly one of the more difficult levels just because it's close quarters and uh, you know a ton of flood but i honestly really like the level it it's one of my top levels in the game it's i i'm just saying i'm glad that we didn't encounter our glitch uh that happened on that and we were able to just do it on legendary once yeah that yeah, I don't want to ever experience that again. That was so annoying. The glitch that I'm referring to is that we played it online co-op, uh, and for whatever reason, it doesn't save the online partner's progress 
with the single like the the person who's hosting. So we beat a couple levels and then come to find out that the game when I load back in doesn't have any of the progress saved. It doesn't save it for the co-op partner. So after every mission, I would have to leave, start up a new game, and then save and quit that game so that it would remember my progress in the short term because it doesn't save it when you're playing in co-op, which is mind-bogglingly bad. Yeah, and and the worst part was that 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 was actually two separate issues. That wasn't even you know we weren't even going into save because of the co-op or because of it not tracking. That was just a thing that randomly happened, and then we found out that the host doesn't save progress either because, as I noticed in the start menu, in co-op it's just exit or quit or something, as opposed to single player where it's save and quit. Yeah. So if so, your progress if you beat the whole game in one sitting in co-op and you close the game and you reopen it neither player will have any progress made unless they went in before closing the game, started up a single player game and then hit pause, pause, save and quit. Then it saved everything you had done in that session. I don't know why they did that. It's not like this was the first online co-op halo game. We knew how to do this. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind that like all of the other favorite halo games on Xbox were already out uh, by the time this game was out. Uh, Reach was out, 3, ODST, they knew. So uh, it was very weird that this issue was allowed to exist. Uh, And it soured my opinion on it for a while there. Yeah, I will give them a little credit because I believe this was not just their first Halo project, but I believe this was just the first thing that 343 did, period. So I'm willing to cut them a little bit of slack on something like that. Not a lot, but a little bit. It's their first game, and, you know, after that, they've really never had any other issues with Halo and no, not at inexplicably all. missing features and anything like that. It's been really smooth. Yeah. If there's one thing anyone remembers about the Xbox One generation, it is how flawless the Master Chief Collection's launch was. The multiplayer, the online was just pristine. Like a dream. Yep. Chef's kiss. And uh, I do like, though, that they did... You know, this isn't just a straight-up port from the Xbox. They did upgrade a lot of the textures. It looks better. Uh, I can tell you this because if you hit select when you're playing, it'll switch between the different versions of the game. Uh, So you can see what it looked like on the original Xbox. Uh, And a lot of different things are missing that the anniversary really helps with. Uh, In particular, arrows for (laughs) uh, twin betrayals and assault on the control room because you get lost because they're all a giant maze. Uh, And... I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I don't like this game very much. It's important, but <laughs> I think other games, I'm, I'm glad they made more than one because this game is so rough and yeah. I, I don't like it as much. Uh, I think they really hit their stride around two and three is just a light years better than this game. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, I mean, it was great for its time. The stuff that doesn't hold up now wasn't really a problem back in 2001. A lot of that stuff just wasn't a concern. There were some things that I'm sure probably bugged people back then, you know, like you mentioned, the arrows and the assault and betrayals levels. You know, they were like super faint white lights back then. Now that these big blue triangles glowing on the ground and they just added a lot of they had a lot of light to the game, which I do think in Mm. some places was not as good. 343 Guilty Spark actually being a good example of that. When they were updating the graphics on it, they added a lot of light to that level. And this is the level where you're introduced to the flood and you're starting to get a little bit of this horror vibe. 
and adding a bunch of light kind of hurts that a bit. Mm-hmm. So that that's one when we played through, I actually went through most of that in the original graphics because it just, it, it just helps with the experience a bit. Like it, it helps it fit a little better with how, what they're trying to make you feel in that level mm-hmm. when it's dark and it's gloomy and you're wondering what's around the next corner that you can't see. I, I just wanted to get out of there as fast as humanly possible. And also the story is like going back to the original intent uh, it's very 2001. It's very bare bones. <laughs> they don't really hit the stride. There's one that that cool twist about what the halo ring actually is. Right. Is neat, but it's it's a pretty paint by numbers sort of uh, experience when it comes to that. They do a lot more world building and, and stuff later, I I think. I think by the time you get to 2021, I think the story does a lot of the legwork in the game mm-hmm. by this point up because it does set up stuff for two and three future games and, and it's still a good story you know i oh, i don't i don't think that that's horribly dated or anything and i think that that the fact that that is still interesting to this day was also a huge benefit to being able to actually enjoy going through it for who knows what time yeah it's i it's just coming from it now i think there's so many other games that took a lot of the framework of that story or took a lot of the elements and kind of upped it. So it's harder to look back on it from its time. So like if you had never played it as a kid, uh, like I had, I think somebody just coming into it who might be younger might have a lot more problems with the game than I would. Right. And one thing that a lot of people don't know is that this release and trying to make it the latest and greatest and use everybody's favorite toy, it actually had Kinect support. Woo! And a lot of people either don't remember that because who was going to use that in a first person shooter or they just didn't know because it was so irrelevant to the gameplay but i did use it and it was exactly what i just described it was not that great it was super simple you could uh, do some actual game actions you could like throw grenades and reload by by using voice commands i think you could switch between the two sets of graphics with that but it also had a um like an encyclopedia kind of thing where you could tell your connect to scan whatever it was you're looking at. So if you were staring at a grunt's corpse, it would scan that and you'd have access to this little database that gave you a bunch of information about what you had just scanned in. And that was actually huh. really cool. I, I thought that was a cool, I thought that was a nice little, you know, all right, this came out 10 years later. Like they wanted to have it be more than just a re-release of the game. They wanted it to be a re-release that, tried to pull you in deeper than the original did by giving you all this information that had been built up over the years through two, three ODST reach. It's one of my favorite connect integrations was specifically that little database because it was, it was just unique, you know, I never, I never tried it with that. I was, this game is fortunately backwards compatible. Uh, you do have to find yes. a physical version because they removed it from the store. I can't, say whether or not it will be available to play co-op because of the server shutdown it's iffy i i really don't know yeah i do wish that they were a little more clear on that i think that the co-op will still be there you know that sort of thing just because the little chart they released only calls the online play matchmaking and obviously co-op campaign with a party is not actually matchmaking but that could also just kind of be their catch-all for online play depending on how much they wanted to try and simplify it for people who aren't going to think that detailed about it. So I'll, I'm curious to see. I, I hope it is still co-op because 
I mean, honestly, at this point, you're probably going to want to play it on Master Chief Collection anyways. But if yeah. you're going to go back and play <laughs> this one, if you don't have the perfor- the performance improvements of Master Chief Collection, the least they can do is let you play it with somebody else alongside you. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think it's pretty rough. Yes. I have to do most of this stuff in Master Chief Collection and whoo boy. <laughs> It'll be a while before I get to those. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that that was actually one thing that uh, I think benefited us a lot was that, you know, back in what was I think it was July and little in early August, you know, you and I had gone through most of the level specific stuff in Master Chief Collection for Combat Evolved trying to get my completion. And so we already kind of had an idea, you know, we got to two betrayals, we knew where we needed to run right at the start to have whoever was carrying the other person run out this door and jump down this ramp and there's a rocket launcher and you just have infinite ammo so just run through the level with that. So oh, yeah. we, we didn't have to do as much figuring out because we already kind of knew what we were doing. Yeah, that was that was a big help. And as for the infinite ammo, uh, that's part of the other thing. There's collectible skulls. Yes. And on my favorite level, there's the most obnoxious skull to get, the bandana skull. Uh, and that gives you infinite ammo, and you can use the infinite ammo on legendary. So, uh, we did, <laughs> and that makes yep. the game considerably easier. It, it does when you Would have recommend. infinite rockets and shotguns. It uh, makes infinite really sniper easy. rifle. It's a much easier game. Yeah, there's and and that worked to great effect because in twin betrayals. You have to do a couple of different things on Legendary, and we just did it twice. So you couldn't kill any grunts, and you couldn't change weapons. So we would have one player run through the level and just pick up and do whatever they wanted to their heart's content. Another player just kind of, I don't know, if it were you or me, you just sat and looked at Reddit on your phone uh, and just kind of hung out uh, while the other player basically beat that level. And it took a long time, because it's a long level, but it worked out the best. Yeah, it's a long level, and if you lose those high-powered weapons early on, it's kind of rough, especially because the person who's not killing things kind of has to hang back a bit because otherwise they might die. So the person carrying you dies, and they get set back pretty far because it always spawns you on your partner, and it's just... that Those ones were a little rough. Even though we knew what we were doing, I I think all I really did when you were carrying me through was... I remember at the start, there was a wraith that you just could not take out. And I was just sitting there up on top of this tower thing that you start in. And I'm just like doing my best with my little plasma pistol assault rifle, trying to long range, take down this friggin' covenant tank with like a small machine gun and a little energy pistol, just hoping I can do a little bit of damage to help you out. Yeah, because keep in mind, this is Halo 1. Uh, You don't get some of the other fun things like hijacking... Until 2. So there's a lot of features that if you're a seasoned veteran to Halo, just kind of look back and go, wait, oh, I can't do that. That's not, um, dang it. That happened a lot. Yeah, it's it's funny you you mentioned the hijacking (laughs) specifically because that was, I think that's the one thing I noticed more than anything, you know, having recently played through a lot of the later Halos and going back to this one was you notice really quick that you're not allowed to hijack anymore. I did not realize how often I did that until I kept trying to do it and getting told that I couldn't. And getting one hit, one hit killed by being ran over. Yeah. Vehicles are so much more powerful. Uh, And like the Scorpion tank is invincible. Like you're not invincible in the tank, but the tank itself is invincible. (laughs) 
I don't know that I was ever actually aware of that until you mentioned that when I was asking you, you know, because what was it? We had to blow up four race with a scorpion in one level and you yeah. just like blindly running into this giant firefight. I'm like, dude, you're <laughs> going to get this tank blown up and get screwed. Like, hang back. You're just like, no, it doesn't have any health bar. Like, it can take whatever. I might die, but the tank won't. Yeah, just rinse the blood off. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, that's... <laughs> That would have been great to know 20 years ago. <laughs> right? I probably didn't. Yeah, it's the other, as for other stuff, uh, mostly every level has a level specific thing. There's terminals on every level. There's skulls, uh, at least one on every level. And then at least one level specific. And none of the level specific ones were too terrible outside of the library had one where you couldn't die. So we had to do that one twice, but you could do that on heroic. Yeah. And that wasn't too bad. Uh, and really, we just the the game plan is to just get all the skulls, get bandana, then probably go back through and do it on you know a harder difficulty after you get bandana. Would be how I'd recommend doing it. The bandana skull not negating achievements was a massive benefit, especially for that one for not dying in the library because there's a lot of points uh, where the flood are just coming out of these little holes in the wall, and you can just stand there for a minute if you really have to kill them and just keep chucking grenades in the hole non-stop yep. eventually they'll stop spawning and i think i almost i almost took you out a couple times when i was dragging you through that run so i still remember uh, there's there's this little room where it closes you in and you can it probably takes you maybe three set three to five seconds to rock from one end of the room to the other and uh for whatever reason we both decided to stand in different spots than we did whenever you were carrying me but we were both still going for the same strategy and apparently that different angle meant I threw a grenade and then I threw another on top of it. The first one exploded and sent the second one flying right at you. Yeah. <laughs> and that happened a couple times in that one room. And I'm just like, all right, I'm done with grenades here. I'm going to figure out how to do this with guns. Oh, that room's terrible. Uh, uh, it's more things yeah. that make the library really bad. If I had to pick a single checkpoint, that would probably be my least favorite one in the game. Because the checkpoint yeah. is once you're already closed in that room. So if you die uh, and you want to you know, run back and maybe there was a gun you dropped or something like that, can't do that. You're, you're, you're going to spawn in this room if you die, and you will be stuck here until you beat it or restart the level. And yeah, it's, it's rough. Nasty, yeah. The other one that I was going to say that I really didn't like is that you had to beat the second level, Halo, without using any vehicles, and it is big. It is. Big level. It takes a long time to walk it. Yeah. Uh, and a grenade jump. Exactly one grenade jump to do that. I don't recommend doing that. It's, That's right. It's, I forgot about that part. It, yeah. Yeah. There's. Uh, it expects you to kind of just ride over it, but you can't do that. There's a reason they give you a warthog pretty much right at the start of the level because you're going to need it. Yeah. It's. Ugh. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make it any more difficult. I mean, even the grenade jump, it's a really small jump. Like if you can give yourself any momentum at all from that explosion, you're good. But. It's just such a long level on foot. Yeah, it it took us well over an hour. And most of the levels there, you know, like I think the twin betrayals, things like that, that was like 45 minutes of being carried. Yeah. Yeah, some of the different times that we had to do some of those things. I remember Truth and Reconciliation took forever. Yeah, that, that one was rough because, what was it, you had to kill every elite or something? Was that that level? No, that was... That's Keys. Oh, no, that was Keys, the reverse of Truth and Reconciliation, another level repeat. Yeah, the backwards version of it, yeah. Yeah. And that one's, 
Yeah, I, I just found that as I was playing it, there, there was a lot of times where I was just like, ah, oh, this level. And there are very few times that I was like, oh, I like this one. Yeah, it definitely got repetitive. It was a great idea back then. It was way too cut down on the assets required in the game. It saved space. It allowed them to put more onto the disc, you know, which to this day confuses me because I don't know what their plan was, but I recall reading an interview with some of the devs. I don't even know if the Xbox One was out yet back when this was. But I remember them talking about how originally this game was going to be like two to three times as many levels. And oh. with all this, all the space saving measures they had with just copying assets, I am terrified to think of how many times I would have had to have played through the <laughs> library if we were required to go through 25 levels. And let's not do that. Yeah, there's there's twice as many levels. I think it, it, it exactly hits where it needs to be. By the time you go through the thrilling end of the game escape in a vehicle which is a, a hallmark of the series you start realizing all these different hallmarks of the series like uh, <laughs> escaping in a vehicle oh, happens yeah. a lot awesome. every game has a few levels like that in the series it, it's cool to go back i'm glad that i did it i don't think i would have completed this game if i w did not have a co-op partner well i don't think you wouldn't have even started the game <laughs> you know if i not. remember right you specifically bought it in like november because we heard it was going down and we're like well maybe the co-op goes down we might as well do it yeah well i've done all the like i've basically done all the other 360 halo games i might as well get this one yep yeah i think i think at this point i think the only 360 ones i'm missing the completion on are spartan assault and halo wars four you're missing four. Oh, that's right yeah i still got it those <laughs> yeah don't know, don't remind I'm, me of uh, that oh no that's <laughs> It's going to happen. You got to beat that soul of Legendary. Get on it. Can we just play Combat Evolved Anniversary again, please? No. I'd rather do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, that's one of the few things I'm missing in 4. But 4 is another show. 4 is another show. 4 is another one. But, yeah, any any closing thoughts before we wrap this, this bad boy up? Uh, Yeah, I already told you I was not going to let this show end. So I would just like to point out that as we're running through 343 Guilty Spark, at the start of each level, it shows the name of the level in text at the bottom of the screen. And then every time you hit a major story point in that level, it shows you the name of that chapter. And we're, we don't even realize it, you know, as we're starting the level. But at the very end, uh, one of the sections is called 343 Guilty Spark. It's where you're introduced to this little robot orb thing. Yep. And we're, you know, we're just playing through and suddenly through my headset, I hear vulgar and I hear, wait a minute. And I knew it was coming and it was immediately followed by, is this why the developers are called 343? And if I remember right, I think Death Dealers and Jay were the ones in our party and we're all just, they were, wait, yep. what? You're just now realizing this? I never call, I just call him Gear Guilty Spark. <laughs> if that. Most of the time in my head, I'm like, you know, Guilty Gear. Oh, God. Not even close. <laughs> no. <laughs> Show some respect. <laughs> oh, no, I hate that little robot. Oh, so do Top I. Top five hated, hated robots. Nobody fights Sergeant Johnson and gets my approval. And then they had a, they had some truth bombs to lay on me about uh, what COG means for gears. Oh, God. <laughs> it, was, it was, uh, yeah. Have, have you owned an Xbox before? Have you played the uh, first party you know, titles? No, I, I'm still working through <laughs> Fusion Frenzy. Oh, man. But I'll tell you I when I get to great. the others. And Blinks, the time cat. <laughs> you're, you're just a little behind, don't worry. Yeah, I'll get there. Mm -hmm. 
Crimson Skies. That's a remaster. Anyway, yeah, we get to get on that one. But yeah, I think that wraps it up for us. Uh, We have uh, let us know what you think, though. If you've played through this game, let us know what you think of Halo CE. Uh, Either version. I think the Master Chief one is is pretty much the same. I don't remember any big differences. Yeah, I think they basically ported it. It doesn't look much different. The only difference I'm aware of is that in the 360, when you hit the back button to switch graphics, it takes a few seconds of a black screen. Whereas on Master Chief, it's it's instant. You can do it seamlessly. You'll never notice a stop. I definitely recommend playing it there. Yeah, it's it's probably the better way to do it. But I have a lot of friends on my friends list who have completed this game and who have started it. So yeah, let us know what you think. And if you want to see more episodes, we have plenty of co-op games that we've ran through. Uh, we got more more stories and uh, tales of completions and misadventures. Maybe one day we'll get to do Halo Infinite. Yeah, when, when, you know, that one, that episode's, uh, you know, I still got to work on that one. Uh, I have all the software and everything, but still just got to make it. <laughs> so uh, I'm expecting a 2023 release for that one. Oh, I don't say that. <laughs> Halo Infinite Co-op is just going to be the new Tunic. It's going to be the new Half-Life 3. Oh, God. Don't, don't the technology my soul just, like it's, that. It's like Hearthstone having more than nine decks. The technology just isn't there yet. <laughs> we just can't let you do it. Anyway, on that reference, <laughs> we'll be uh, seeing you next time for Cooperation Nation. Thanks. See ya. See you later. Greetings. I'm Wakapel, spending February playing Metroidvanias as I'm teamed up with Lefelet77 for February Lovebirds in the Better Completions Matter Contest. We started off the month playing the Game Pass Vayner Flynn, Son of Crimson, quickly realizing it is not a Metroidvania at all, best described by its developers as an action platformer with Metroidvania elements. In Flynn, Son of Crimson, you play as Flynn, Son of Crimson, who is not a fan of the evil god king trying to destroy his country. The pixel art is good, but I found the slideshows between levels rather terrible. They look like placeholders the developers just did not bother updating. Unfortunately, the story is not very engaging and very throwaway. Flynn, Son of Crimson, has 22 achievements worth 1000 game score and 2400 TA due to Game Pass inflation and can easily be completed in 6-8 to eight hours. As there are no difficulty based achievements and there is an assist mode which among other things can make the player immune to damage. I did not explore the assist mode as I found the game very easy without using it. I only died a handful of times during the boss fights. The game requires very little backtracking, you can't even backtrack in a level if you change screens, you have to start over from the beginning of the level if you miss one of the often not very well hidden collectibles. The collectibles are clearly marked on the overworld map, making it easy to figure out which ones you collected and which ones you're missing. You'll easily get the majority of the game's achievements playing through it blind, and there is no point of no return, meaning you can safely complete the story, then mop up any remaining achievements. There are a few miscellaneous achievements you might not get if you are unaware of them, but most can very easily be earned 
using a practice dummy in town or by replaying specific levels. There is technically one missable achievement, but it can be earned within minutes of starting a new game by skipping the dialogue in the beginning. Flynn, Son of Crimson is a competent action platformer, but it is not very exciting. Thankfully, it does not outstay its welcome and offers a very easy 1400 TAD in 60 hours. I wouldn't recommend Flynn, Son of Crimson at its $20 price tag, so get it done while it is in Game Pass if you have any interest in the game. If you are chasing the Metroidvania leaderboard, know that Flynn really shouldn't be marked as one on TA, even if you'll probably enjoy it if you are a fan of the genre. Have a nice day everyone!